So first of all, sir, how are you holding up during the quarantine? Well, um, I'm breathing and I'm not in jail, but the day's not over yet. So far, <laughs> so good. Um, I'm fine, Dave. I, uh, uh, my wife and I have an embarrassment of riches. That is to say, we not only, of course, have our health, which is paramount in everybody's mind. And certainly if there was ever a question as to what was important in our lives, we, you know, the world has changed literally well, almost overnight. Um, so we are very grateful for being healthy. Um, I have a couple of really bitchin' masks that people have made for me. I have a fantastic Yakko Warner mask that's um, great fun to walk. You know, so when people ask me, is that Yakko? And I say, yeah, that it is. <laughs> but when you hear it behind the mask, it sounds like, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Um, but, uh, no, we're great. We have a little place here on the central coast of California that is our uh, vacation place, and this is where we've hunkered down because there really aren't too many people here. There are actually more elephant seals and, and uh, critters than anything. Um, uh, and I'm working from home. I'm recording um, different episodes of different shows, auditioning, all kinds of stuff. So I... Uh, Apart from the fact that I can't be with my uber creative, talented friends who make me way better at what I do, I have zero to complain about it. Then I get to talk to you. I, I, I'm doing great. Well, I mean, I could say the same on this end, except I have—I don't have a you know a character <laughs> that I help bring to life, or multiple characters branded on my masks, which I think is a is a great, honestly, kind of a great selling point too. A lot of people out there for whatever reason don't really want to wear the masks but i feel like it's a cool way to uh show off kind of your your nerd culture or whatever you're into totally like it's, yeah it's like wearing oh, a yeah. brand t-shirt yeah oh man it's there's a there, well look i think um to coin a phrase from uh a wise prophet um the geeks shall inherit the earth and they kind of have you know um the uh the kibosh that's been put on all of these uh, Comic Cons, of which you guys are very familiar there in Atlanta. I mean, yeah. I don't know how many times I've been to Dragon Con. And, and, uh, listen, every time you go to Dragon Con, uh, certainly New York Comic Con, um, San Diego, and the big ones overseas, the presence of, uh, all of the purveyors of the stuff that we watch, Warner Brothers, Disney, Universal, Amblin, Nickelodeon, you name it. Huge presence there because they're not stupid. They know that whether you are a self-confessed geek, nerd, whatever, as as I am, I've just been lucky enough to have the people pay me for it. But <laughs> my God, they know a million people will walk by the Warner Brothers Tower or the Nickelodeon booth and take pictures and blast it out on social media. They're not stupid. And so... Uh, the, the the fact that we don't have that now is, um, you know, we're living that example of, of necessity of the, is the mother of invention. I, I'm doing online autograph signings, um, and they're, by my calculations, pretty damn successful um, for, for, from both sides of the equation. You know, I, it's not how I make my living. It may well be that that's how my living is going, depending upon you know, what happens at studios here in L.A., but the the, the, the fan base loves it. it. It's just wonderful, and, and I'm a fan, too. And so I, I get to interact with all these lovely people who want an autographed picture of Pinky or Yakko or Raphael or Donatello or Carl Weezer or The Mask or The Tick or you name it. And, um, and we have a blast together, and it's not 
I don't like it as much as seeing people in person because right. I love that literal human contact, handshakes, hugs, people crying when they, you know, tell me stories about how Pinky in the Brain got them through cancer. I mean, it really is remarkable and certainly not just to me. The people who are lucky enough to do this are living, we hear it all the time. And nice people like you give, them, give us opportunities to say thank you and, 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 and tell the fans that truly, I did not know the extent to which people embrace these characters over and above an action figure until I was able to start traveling around the world meeting people. So I get it now. And I, I can't get enough of, of the opportunities to, to reach out and, and discuss these things with people, irrespective of whether they buy a freaking autograph or not. It's not about that. You know, often they do. But the cool thing is, as much as I miss the live gigs, and as much as it's costing the city of Atlanta zillions of dollars and San Diego, my God, I don't know how much, a couple hundred million bucks a year they glean from Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, but an individual fan perspective, Dave, it's, you know, it, to the extent they want to get a photo of Kevin Conroy signed, well, Kevin will do an on online signing. You get to kind of have an interaction with Batman, but you don't have to pay you know, a pile of money to get to the event. Right. Um, you don't fine. You don't have to worry about buying food, getting to the bathroom, getting a hotel, parking, maybe flying. Um, so there's a trade-off and it's a, it's a fair enough, I think, financial one. Um, because it, it, you're not paying for something you don't get. And in lieu of that, in that, that, wonderful physical interaction with literally speaking to people in front of them and, and watching what happens to them and say, no, it's the coolest thing in the world. It's like what you're doing right now. It's almost chemical. You can't help it. Right. And I love that. And again, it's not just me, but so if the trade-off is that we get to do this online while we figure out how to get back up, then I'm all in. And I am so grateful to have people like you and, and social media to, to try to pour gas on that fire because it just keeps everybody happy. It really, it's not about a few bucks. It's about the, the joy that it brings to the people. And um, um, so many folks uh, rely upon, especially when they don't have a way to make money. They're like, look, I got to find a way to get through this. It's, it's nuts. And so whether it's watching The Office or Pinky in the Brain or Ricky Gervais, man. I am understanding how important this is, and, and thank you again for giving me the platform. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. And, and, I mean, all the ways that you mentioned are just some of the ways that we're seeing how this pandemic is changing. It's changing commerce. It's changing fandom. It's changing just kind of like everything that we we were used to doing on a daily basis. But And, and you know, that, that story hasn't been written yet. We don't know what that's going to look like in the future. But for you from maybe a, a professional or production side, how has your day-to-day -day changed much at all from this? Or is it still kind of somewhat business as usual? Well, it's, it's as I said, I really am, I, I, I won the lottery, honestly, because I have the kind of job, as much as I, don't get me wrong, I'm beyond humbled and flattered when anybody makes a fuss over Ron Paulson, <laughs> the actor. But we're talking not because of me, we're talking because I have had a part, an important part, but still, I don't draw them and I don't like them. But I've had an important part in in helping to create 
arguably half a dozen iconic characters. And, and, and I, I know I can say that with relative confidence with respect to Yakko, Pinky, Raphael, and Donatello, and maybe even Carl Weezer. Um, those are characters that have transcended a couple of generations, and even in different, especially with respect to turtles, in multiple iterations. Um, so that's what the draw is for me. And while I, I, uh, I love, you know, the fact that people will take the time to say, oh my God, here up, I, please say hello, nurse, whatever. I love that. It's fantastic. <laughs> but, um, and by the way, hello, nurse. So there you go. Thank you. Um, but you're so welcome. <laughs> but, uh, but in terms of my being able to do my job, no, I, uh, the, the studios have been very flexible and wanting to record from home and willing to loan you equipment and all of that because they have a production schedule to keep up. And I'm grateful that they're continuing to use me. Now, it's affected the logistical aspects of my professional life right. um, because I don't Nickelodeon or Warner Brothers or you know, Disney or whichever of the zillion studios that, that they use to record stuff in Burbank and Hollywood. And I miss that. Um, because I'm around people whom all your listeners would know. I'm around Billy West. I'm around Kevin Conroy. I'm around Mark Hamill. I'm around Maurice LaMarche and Tress McNeil and Nancy Cartwright and Tara Strong and the remarkably talented people with whom Frank Welker, Peter Cohen, people I've worked with for 35, in some cases, 40 years. Um, and, and, you know, people who've been to all my kids' birthday parties and vice versa. It just so happens that they're the most gifted actors in the world and they're the nicest people that I want to meet. And I get to work with people I would choose to have at my home. I mean, I, I'm a lucky guy. And so I miss that. But in terms of my ability to pay the bills, it's taken a bit of a, a punch. So um, I'm able to try to, you know, be a little bit flexible, but nothing like someone who has to go to work every day to literally put food on the table right. outside their home. You know? So I have zero about which to complain. And then the upshot of my work is that you can argue that it's more important now than normal circumstances because there are millions of people at home doing nothing but watching um, whatever it is that brings them joy. And there are a lot of people for whom Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs are exactly that. So, Jesus, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I, and, and it's important to note, uh, Dave, that I get it. I do truly get how fortunate I am. I really don't want to leave anybody with the impression that the guys go, boy, is that guy got it made? Oh, yeah, I, and I know that I do. I'm not a zillionaire. I'm not a filthy, stinking rich actor. I make a nice living and take care of my family and pay my bills and donate money to charity like everybody. But I can tell you categorically that everyone who does this gig, the people I've met and, and some that I've, uh, the people I've mentioned and, and many whom I've not, but I know them anyway, all get how lucky we are. This is a remarkably wonderful way to make a living. And um, there really is no downside. It's just, it's just wonderful. So um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back at it in the, in the traditional way, but I can still do it and make people laugh, and and ultimately that is what makes my soul the happiest is bringing joy to others, and 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 not just me. It's a it's a cool way to move through life. 
I can absolutely second, you know, pretty much everything you just said, because that that list of names you rattled off uh, a minute or so ago, I've had the privilege to be able to talk to most of them as well. And yeah, it, that kind of humility and that professionalism and that just joy for the, the craft, for the job always comes through. And I mean, I'm I'm thrilled to be able to kind of check that box for your name as well. So it's, it's a fantastic opportunity to get to talk to you. Well, as I said before we started recording, and your audience knows this, I'm very flattered and humbled to speak with someone with your pedigree. You know what you're talking about. And so um, when you mentioned that about the folks that I mentioned, all the names I dropped. By the way, Bob De Niro told me i got to stop dropping names. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I, uh, that then you get exactly and precisely what I'm talking about. And, and thousands of your listeners know that, too, because they've met John DiMaggio. They've met Tress. They've met uh, Troy Baker. They've met Nolan North. They've met all these wonderful actors who create uh, uh, in, in incredible characters or help to create in character. And, and by the way, that I believe is very important. Uh, obviously, all of show business is a deeply uh, collaborative effort. However, in animation, it's really important, at least for me, to make sure that people understand that we understand that we don't draw them and we don't write them. You know, Harley Quinn is fabulous because of Paul Dini. And there are wonderful actresses um, who have brought uh, um, that character to life. Tara and, um, oh, God, I forgot the, the young woman, wonderful actress who plays her in the, the movies. Uh, Margot um, Robbie. Mm -hmm. Wonderful actor. I mean, obviously, she's been Oscar, all of that. That has <laughs> nothing to do with it. We know they're good. But it ain't nothing without Paul Dini, period, end of story. And same with me, without Tom Ruger, without Steven Spielberg, without Gene McCurdy and all these incredible writers and stuff. Maurice and I get the joy of saying, Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? I think so, brain, but it's corner. There's what does he keep doing it? I didn't write that, you know? Um, I'm pretty good at it, but... Um, this is, is such a, a wonderful opportunity when I speak with folks like you who know from experience by meeting these people how utterly humble they are. It's precisely because of that, because we are all nerds and we all respect one another's craft. And, and the number of times, literally throughout the day, that I go, holy crap, where did that come from? Or who wrote that? Or... You know, when you're able to work on, with, with scripts that are world-class week after week after week on shows that have become iconic, all it does is really set you up to be incredibly impressed or deeply disappointed <laughs> because you can watch with an eye that is, even though uh, art is subjective, I have had the great good fortune of performing scripts that are so good that anybody could read them and they, la and they get the joke. And the context is so smart. So that when you, you're primed for something and, and it doesn't live up to the hype and you knowing three moves in advance where the script is going, you kind of go, Oh, well, that's not as good as what I've done on a cartoon show. Mm -hmm. And so it turns out that, that it doesn't matter whether it's feature films, cartoons, whatever. Good art is good art. If you, if it's able to sell action figures and comic books, and t-shirts and be something like Ninja Turtles and you can argue all day long about which iteration is the best. But let me tell you something, man. There are very few franchises in any wor uh, world that 
have done so much to bring so much joy, but also bring so much cash to people as Ninja Turtles. That's incredible when something ticks every box. And then Pinky and the Branded Animaniacs, the king of Hollywood, 25 years later, says, hey, Rob, Tress, Maurice, Jess, you want to do this again? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Steven Spielberg wants to do this again. And those are shows that have not really sold a lot of merchandise compared to Ninja Turtles. Right. But they're shows that are for the sake of the art. They're incredibly talented, um, um, entertaining, funny, thoughtful, smart. The music is mind-blowing. And it's it transcends generations. And Steven Spielberg wants to do it again at, what, 72 or 73 years old. Hmm. So it's not just about movie stars and selling action figures. It's about the content. And um, whether it's Schindler's List or Pinky and the Brain, both of them are featured in Steven Spielberg's biography. So what does that tell you about how Steven feels about his respective art forms? It's good stuff is good stuff. And to be part of it is beyond thrilling. And that's got to be a pretty easy yes when Steven Spielberg calls you up and says, would you like to do blank, whether it's a reboot or not? <laughs> it's a pretty easy yes. Oh, Dave, you know, and, and again, I clearly I'm, I was perfectly cast as Jacko because I had not shut up for 30 minutes. But <laughs> um, you, you are absolutely right. I don't know if you had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Spielberg, but he's a delightful man. Um, but moreover, what being able to meet people, and don't get me wrong, I don't go with Mr. Spielberg. That's why I call him Mr. Spielberg and not Steve. You know, I don't hang out with him. But I've worked with him a lot on Tiny Toons, Amazing Stories, E.T., um, um, Animaniacs, Pinky in the Brain, and now we're doing it again. Okay, so when you're able to spend even a little time around the best of the best in whatever realm, sports, uh, uh, government, business, entertainment, and, and religion, whatever it is, you find that the people at the top who continue to deliver time after time after time after time, authentically deliver, are generally humble, kind, decent people who understand their good fortune and they want to share it. And often they want to share it by giving someone like me a shot or someone, you know, like a, a young director or cinematographer or political upstart, a, a, a shot because they see part of their genius is seeing that genius in other people. And, and they do things like they, they don't micromanage part of Mr. Spielberg's genius. I submit. And again, I don't hang with them every day is knowing who to hire and turning them loose and, and, and allowing them to find their genius. So what that does is two things. It not only is inspirational to people like me, who are still searching for whatever nugget of genius I can find, um, but it also sort of inures you to what the, the, the sort of people who have feet of clay in the moment you meet them are like. People who you run into who already have an ego by the time they're 30. And who already are, are, you know, it's about me, it's about this, it's about, it's not, it, it really is literally about what you can do for me. And, and, and it's like a red flag. And you want to take those people aside and say, son, kiddo, I hope you save your money. Because the people who could behave the way you're behaving right now, don't. They don't behave in an arrogant, 
self-indulging, self-involved, self-aggrandizing way. They, they are humble, kind, and, and don't get me wrong, they have high standards. And if you don't cut the mustard, you're gone. But they are willing and able to help and be kind. And there is always room for that. It's not about celebrity. It's about doing the right thing. And the celebrity comes along, in my view, as a result of constantly people saying, God, I just got done working with Steven Spielberg. And you know what? You're right. He's incredible. And then when you hear that decade after decade and Oscar after Oscar, and you start to know, well, you know what? That's not an accident. It's not. Um, and he is a lovely man. So much so that here we are all these years later. And when it became a thing that um, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, and Apple were all kind of vying for Animaniacs and Pinking the Brain. And Mr. Spielberg said, oh, yeah, whoever's going to pony up the dough, just so you know, we're not hiring Liam Neeson to be Yakko. It's going to be Rob Paulson, Tress McNeil, Maurice LaMarche, and Jess Harnell as Yakko, Echo, Dot, and Pinking the Brain. We'll figure out the rest of it. But the reason people still love Animaniacs is because... Every time Rob Paulson goes to a Comic-Con and sings, Connecticut, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, the audience flips out. So why would we hire anybody else if Rob and Tress and Jess and Mo can do it? That speaks volumes about his integrity with respect to the fan base and how he knows why these characters are important. And it's not just about celebrity. It's about our stunt casting. It's about, oh, no, no. These actors still do it. Moreover, they want to do it, and they can do it. So why would we hire anybody else? And, and that, that says a lot about, about Mr. Spielberg. Um, I am profoundly lucky to have hitched my star to his wagon on more than one occasion, and um, I will be ever so grateful to him and Tom Luger and Gene McCurdy for casting me in, in that show 25 years ago because if Ninja Turtles changed my career trajectory, Animaniacs changed my life. Um, it's, it's paying dividends literally to this moment. You know, you, you pose kind of a rhetorical question about why would you change, you know, why would you mess with success? Why would you change what already worked and was already, you know, a phenomenon? But that happens, you know, when, when titles are rebooted, you know, of course, that happens. Uh, so I think, I I don't want to speak for the fans, but as a fan, uh, I can say we're, we're thrilled to see the original cast coming back and the fact that the show itself is returning. But speaking of kind of a nuts and bolts questions with that, where where are you with Animaniacs, if you can talk about it? If you can talk about the where you are in production or if everything's kind of on track still for the release later this year? Well, thank you for asking and thank you for your kind words. I, I and let, me, let me at least put a little bit of a caveat on what you said um, with respect to to I and my co-workers on Animaniacs, sure. co-actors. Certainly, um, we have a unique circumstance, and I think Mr. Spielberg and Warner Brothers and Amblin and Hulu, uh, it is going to be on Hulu this fall, know that. Because, obviously, uh, Tress McNeil, who's Dot, uh, Jess Harnell, Wacko, Maurice LaMarche, who's The Brain, and yours truly, who's Jacko and Pinky, um, are 25 years older. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing about this gig is nobody cares what we look like. <laughs> I can still do all the damn day. I'll just start, you know, la, 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 la. I can do it all day. Same thing with Yakko. Um, and so can Tress and Mo and Jess. Um, but we still have a window because we could probably do this at this level for another 10 or 12 years, uh, even physically. 
I just, you know, I had a bout with throat cancer a few years ago, and I'm fine. But that does kind of set a bit of an interesting light on me, kind of go, well, if we're going to do this, we probably should do it. Because, look, Eric Bowser is now the voice of Bugs Bunny, but Mel Blank's been dead for 25 years. And so that's precisely my point about the characters. Um, When you have characters that are iconic, we have a, a wonderful window of opportunity to do it with the original cast. My suspicion is there will be episodes of Ninja Turtles on the 15th iteration when I'm dead and gone for 25 years, because that's a powerful franchise. Hmm. Probably SpongeBob, too. Maybe Animaniacs, maybe Pinky and the Brain. But right now, we have a unique opportunity. So it doesn't always have to be done with the original cast, Um, because it can't be. You know, it's impossible. But Space Jam had nothing to do with Mel Blanc, and people loved it, okay? So I get that. That's why having all the original cast involved in this reboot is very unique, very, very unique. And Mr. Spielberg, you know, because he's no spring chicken either. But, you know, we, we have a very unique circumstance. Okay. Now then, that's that's the only thing that makes this even more unique because it really is like getting the band back together with the original players, um, and we don't have to worry that nobody can fit in their original jumpsuits if you know what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, so, but the the in terms of of where we are on the production schedule, we've recorded a whole bunch of episodes. Um, they are in post production. I don't know the extent to which the post production has had the kibosh put on it because of how many people need to work together, especially because of the music. I, I know that we're still using a full orchestra, again, because we can, with Steven Spielberg involved, you get that sort of thing. So when you got that many musicians that have to play together in a studio, I don't know where that is. Um, and I don't know the extent to which that has pushed the time timing back. Um, so I can't speak to the, to the uh, logistics of when Episodes will be ready to, 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 you know, be viewed. Um, I suspect that is a bit of an issue. Uh, I, I know that, uh, in terms of the recording of the characters, we're recording stuff from home and doing post-production and dialogue replacement, tweaking things, you know, that we got to come back and clean them up a little bit. I can do that from home because we have the technology, but the stuff that requires people to be in close proximity to one another, I really don't know. I can't speak to that. Um, but I do know that so far everybody's pretty happy with what they're seeing, including the boss. And um, part of the reason he's the boss is because he can say, no, 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 no. we got to do this again. And um, he would uh, because it's, you know, Mr. Spielberg's brand. And so he's not going to put anything out there that doesn't pass muster. Um, so, while I'm sure there are people who would prefer that it was every person who was involved with the original show, writers, producers, musicians, everything, that's just impossible for many reasons. Um, certainly, the easiest thing to do, if they're available, is to bring back four cast members. That is the easiest thing to do. Um, and we are incredibly fortunate to be involved. It is, I'm sure, heartbreaking for people who can't be involved, who still would be. Uh, had they, their druthers. I don't make those decisions. And, uh, all I can say is, um, everybody 
having been involved with this at the beginning, would love to be involved. That's not the way the world works. I've had that experience myself. It's sad and it's heartbreaking. You get over it. And I know it's easy for me to say in this uh, instance because I'm involved in the reboot. But trust me, I've had many, many shows move forward without me. And it's never easy. But I can also say that don't get it, don't bet against Mr. Spielberg. We, we know because you're in fandom and you know what this is like. There are going to be plenty of fans who can't wait. And there are going to be a plenty of fans who say, Oh my God, they don't have the original so and so. It's going to suck. All right. Whatever. Then don't watch it. But I'll bet I'll, I'll put my, my, uh, all my chips on Mr. Spielberg any day. Um, and it's easy for me to say now, but even if he ha- hadn't hired me, I would have said, well, I'm really bummed, but I got to tell you, it, <laughs> if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. But I'm going to watch it yeah. because it's Miss Spielberg, and it's a great show. Um, and if it doesn't work, then it won't be on for another season. So there you go. Fair enough. Uh, since you mentioned music, I have to ask, can we expect more songs uh, from you. Uh, you've already given us kind of a, a little tease of a, of a previous favorite. Any more singing for you in the future? Absolutely. Nice. Tons of it. Um, I can't wait to see it. And it was a, a really particularly interesting challenge for me because I had literally just been diagnosed with my throat cancer right. um, when <laughs> Sam Register, the head of Warner Brothers Animation, floated the idea of a, an Animaniacs reboot with Steven at the helm. I thought, are you blank and kidding me. Are you kidding me? What's that axiom, that old saying, we make plans and God laughs? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that suggests that my ego is big enough to, to, to feel that God has anything to worry about. Like, <laughs> it doesn't have enough to worry about whether or not he upsets me. Okay. How's that for a big ego? But um, it's sewn out about me. And all you can do is laugh and go, well, if the reboot comes along when I'm not able to do it, then they'll get somebody else, so they won't. And so I was very philosophical about it and went on about the business of, of saving my life with wonderful doctors, and I did. And I got to tell you, man, Dave, um, when I was did the first episode that had a song for Yakko in it, it was very complex. Um, people can say what they want about animated music, but we look at Carl Stalling and Milt Franklin and, mm-hmm. and the late Richard Stone and the music that Randy Rogel and others wrote for Animaniacs that a lot of it I got to sing. It's pretty goddamn complex music. And, um, and, uh, no different in the new version. Um, I got done singing the first thing that was all over the musical map. And it was smart and funny and complicated and mind-blowing. And I sat there and took a breath, and I said to the people on this side of the glass, please indulge me, if you will, this moment, because I, I sung something that I didn't know I could do six months ago, mm. and as far as I can tell, nobody's had a problem with the way I sound. And uh, they said, no, we're ready to move on. And I said, well, that's a really big deal for me, because I had, you know, seven weeks of daily radiation and chemotherapy, and I didn't know if I'd be able to speak, let alone sing, much less in character. And um, that was a big deal for me. So, yeah, the music is, uh, they didn't pull any punches just so they could make sure that it wasn't too tough for poor little Rob. It's not about that. It's about being authentic to the character. And if I couldn't do it, they'd replace me. And they should have. 
So um, I was, uh, people were, were concerned and very empathic and very loving, but they didn't lower the bar and they shouldn't have. Shit happens. And whether it's me or someone else, the bar should not be low, lowered. And they didn't. And I was able, thank God, to deliver. And the moment I can't is the moment that I shouldn't be involved. It's, it's, it's bigger than me. And that's, that's, that's not, it's, it's always bigger than me. It should be, man. You know? Well, I definitely want to talk uh, more about your experience singing and, and Animaniacs in concert, the kind of roadshow that you guys uh, have done too. But I want to pivot uh, quickly into your, you know, your battle with cancer and the, the positive results that you were able to kind of bring out of that. You know, for a lot of people, that's kind of like, it's very difficult to find positivity in those situations. But you, this year, not only cancer survivor, you're also the 2020 spokesperson for the Head and Neck Cancer Alliance and uh, the Oral Head and Neck Cancer Awareness Program. So can you talk a little bit about maybe your experience and then also being able to uh, turn that into a positive experience for fellow survivors or, uh, or even just yourself? Well, thank you, firstly, Dave, for uh, bringing that up. I really appreciate it. And, and to the extent that um, sometimes people don't bring it up, and that's fine. I, it, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm. I'm the sum total of all my experiences thus far. So that's one of them, and it's an important one. And I appreciate you bringing it up. Um, not everybody does, and I have no problem with that. But since you did, um, or rather, I did, but you were kind enough to to embellish. Um, um, yeah, I. Uh, I had a battle with uh, metastatic throat cancer. It had spread from a, t- a tumor in the base of my tongue in my throat to a, a lymph node in my neck. Um, and uh, I am fine. It took a pile of radiation and chemo to get me through it. It beat the living Christ out of me. Yeah. But it does to everybody. And I have to say that never once did anything happen to me that the doctors did not say would happen. Um I asked for the truth. I asked for um, the, the straight dope, and they gave it to me. And uh, when I was really going, oh, my God, I'm not ready for this, it was exactly what they told me. They just said, you're not, you're not going to believe it, but it'll, it's going to get tough, but you will get through it. You're going to think you can't, but you will. And they were right, and I did. However, um, the important thing and what got me this wonderful opportunity to be the 2020 spokes tune for the head and neck cancer alliance is um i think because of what i do for a living and because i was able to get through it at an at an older age when i was diagnosed i was already 59 years old mm-hmm. um and so even if the doctors had said to me all right, man, we're going to keep you comfortable, but you're on your way out and dave you know right now there are people listening to this who know precisely what I'm talking about, maybe you even do, who are in their own circumstance or have people they love who've literally gotten that message. That, yeah, you've got this glioblastoma on your brain. We're going to take it out. Um, but it's going to come back. And we're going to keep you really comfortable. But you got maybe two years, if you're lucky. Now, will some people beat that? Yeah. But most of the time, people know what they're talking about. And, and they don't, or, you know, it's stage five or stage four pancreatic or ovarian and presented very late and they're done. Okay. That's not what they told me. They said, you're going to be fine. We can cure you. Not, we're not talking about 
remission, we're talking about a cure. You have about a 75% chance of cure, which is always great odds. Um, but before we cure you, we almost have to kill you. It's brutal yeah. for obvious reasons. Your throat, your mouth, all that. Can't eat, can't swallow. It's rough. Um, but they were right. I'm through it. Um, Rob 2.0 is different <laughs> in many ways. I'm, I lost 50 pounds. I've gained 20 of it back. I don't look even close to the way I used to look. Um, I don't consume food the same way. I don't taste food the same way. I don't crave food. Everything is, a lot of it is different. But there are also things that are different that are much better. Um, I don't have a silver lining in my story. I have a plat lining, a platinum lining rather. Um, because of what I do for a living, long before I was diagnosed, I had hundreds of children and parents and loved ones who have found solace in Raphael, Carl, Pinky, Yakko, you name it. And, and I would get calls from child life specialists, hospitals, doctors, parents from all over the country. And again, not just me, all of us who do this that want to talk to these characters. And they don't care that it's Rob Paulson. They just care that their little boy or little girl is talking to Raphael or Yakko. That's all they want to know. And often these parents would would work this out um, knowing that their children weren't going to make it, knowing their kids were, were on their way out. But they just, by God, wanted to talk to Raphael. Are you kidding me? I mean, it just it, it blew my mind when it was happening. My son is now grown and married and healthy and happy and all of that. Okay, so what happened when people started finding out about my experiences, these parents would start to keep in touch with me. They would, or rather, they would start to get back in touch with me and say, Rob, hi, you don't remember me, but you spoke to my little boy, Ian, or you spoke to my little girl, um, Stephanie, and you will never know. I still have the pictures of her talking to Yakko on the phone when she was eight. She made it to 11, and she's been gone for, you know, 15 years now, but you need to know, et cetera, dot, 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 dot. Okay, well, I did know that. But I didn't know the extent to which these characters stayed with the people who loved these children for decades. Mm. That, and then I would start to meet them at conventions and all of that. So I have uh, a story now about the power of joy and kindness and love that come from the most unexpected places because I had my own anecdotal experience for decades of it, and it got me through my six months in the cancer cage. And now I get to go on shows like the nice folks like you and, and talk to, on, on, God, I've been on shows, you know, roundtables about head and neck cancers with folks from the CDC and, and, and the world class, uh, oral, um, oral surgeons and, and head and neck surgeons, oropharyngeal surgeons, who have to dissect people's throats and put them back together and move it and, and, you know, learn how to help these people live their lives. And I can give first-hand experience about what it's like. And there are folks who will actually pay attention to me because of what I do for a living. Right. And, and it was that kind of cancer. So, man, I am here to tell you that I get it. And I get the power of joy. I get the power of humor and laughter. 
Um, and I had, and I've been able to see it both from the, the sidelines, uh, when I got to go visit children and their parents in hospitals dozens of times, talked to them on the phone hundreds of times, and now I lived it. And we had experiences when Maurice LaMarche and I would, I'd be get having my chemotherapy and Mo would come out to hang out with me. And before you knew it, people every, around the whole chemotherapy, you know, area where there are 20 people in chairs, doctors, nurses, healthcare professionals, found out that Pinky and the frickin' brain were there. And it was incredible. Amazing. You know, I was having trouble keeping my shit together and all of a sudden I'd see the power of joy in others and it made me completely forget about my own circumstance. And so Maurice and I would be, you know, hey dad, right? Look at that lovely lady. Well, you know what? You, you look great without hair. And we'd start, you know, listening and the lady would smile and start crying with tears. And it made me feel good. I mean, it's just, it never stops, man. So I can't wait to, to talk about those experiences. And I, and, and I get to as a result of my experience with the head and neck cancer alliance. And to the extent that people are interested in learning more about that type of cancer, they can go to headandneck.org and they'll see your, yours truly's ugly mug there. And they can learn all about this type of cancer. And it's unfortunately becoming more and more ubiquitous. Mm. However, it's very treatable. And, um, and my story is a great example of, uh, hey man, if a guy who does Yakko and Pinky and a couple of Ninja Turtles for a living can get back to doing it, he'll be fine. So it's worth a look at headneck.org. You know, it's a, it's a fascinating story from all different sorts of levels and angles. And, and honestly, when I first heard about the diagnosis, I thought it was kind of cruel in the irony that, you know, that specific type of cancer happened to a... You yeah, know, how about that? <laughs> yeah. But I love that you've had that kind of joy and positivity that came out of that. So are those stories in your recent memoir? Were you able to include them in, in that publication? Yes. Okay, great. In fact, thank you. Yes, it is. Um, uh, they are, rather. My, my book is called Voice Lessons, How a Couple of Ninja Turtles and Animaniac and Pinky Saved My Life. And it is precisely an expanded version of what we were just talking about. Um, it, it is not just a compendium of and then I did, and then you know me from, and then I won an Emmy. It's not that. Because the last thing the world needs is a celebrity bio or memoir, another one, especially from a non-celebrity. This goes right back to the characters are famous. I'm important, but I'm not, it's not all about me. But uh, the, the stories of joy and and laughter and strength and courage and empathy that have come as a direct result of these characters that I've been involved with and how they helped me through my time uh, dealing with cancer and how they can do nothing but help people in the future. At the very least, they bring joy. And at the most, they literally help people save their lives. Right. Whether it's repairing a relationship with a parent and finding out that the only thing they bonded over was, was animaniacs. And I hear that stuff. Um, or my mother died of ovarian cancer, and I got to tell you, man, for six months, she was hanging on, and every damn day we watched Pinky in the Brain, and it made her laugh every day until she couldn't help do it anymore. I mean, I hear that all the time. And again, not just me, Simpsons, SpongeBob, Daffy, and Sweet, you know, Mickey, whatever. Uh, it's crazy. 
And I, that's what the book is about. It's about the, the power of joy and kindness, courage and empathy and how they translate far beyond the TV screen or the pages of a comic book or an action figure. It's, it's powerful medicine, baby. And I'm proud to be part of it. Well, and we're happy as well to be able to have more, you know, new stories, new experiences to share with people. So those folks who, like myself, either grew up on it or, you know, would like to revisit it in tough times, just as like a, a nice kind of comforting cartoon uh, to revisit and just laugh. Just, you know, just that simple act of joy and laughter is, is so powerful, especially in these times. So we're definitely looking forward to the new ones. Yeah. Thanks, man. And you set them out, Dave. You said it far more succinctly than I could ever. Uh, what you, you, Very sage advice. Never before in our lifetimes have we had circumstances where the whole world needs to find way. And we're seeing all these creative, smart, wonderful, kind, inventive, thoughtful, empathic, generous people come up with all sorts of ways to, to, do, to show nothing but the best of humanity. We beat ourselves up a lot. Yeah. You, you know, before the, the before people came to this country, or before humans, look what the humans have done in 200 years, how we've destroyed the planet. Okay, all right, I, that's fine. But Jonas Salk was a human, mm -hmm. and he gave the world the polio vaccine, okay? And, and the people who built the national highway system were humans. Okay, we're learning that maybe cars are bad, so we're figuring that shit out too. But you can drive from sea to shining sea because of humans. And there are humans who are trying to figure out the vaccine that's going to get us through this. And it's humans who, who cured smallpox. Smallpox has been eradicated. So, you know, it's, let's, let's take it easy on humans for a while <laughs> and enjoy the fact that humans also bring immeasurable joy to each other. And as far as I know, we are certainly not the only species who experience love and caring for one another, but I think we're the only species who creates jokes for one another. You know, we can, somebody can make the argument that, oh yeah, look at how much joy a doggy gets for playing with a bone. I get it. And I love my doggies as much as most people. Mm -hmm. But I can say, what's the difference between people from Dubai and Abu Dhabi? And you can say, I don't know, Rob, what is the difference? And I can say, well, the people from D Dubai don't like the, fleets, the Flintstones, but the people from Abu Dhabi do. And, <laughs> you know, you'll get the joke. Yeah. And I, love that about the human animal. So at the very time that we can, we are seeing that pulling back from driving is really having a glorious effect on the atmosphere. And I love that. So let's learn and move forward and find other ways to move about and take advantage of our freedom when it's back to whatever it's going to be, but also to applaud the people who are coming up with new ways to, to allow us to stay connected. You're doing it right now. Yeah. And I, I, I love that. I'm sitting out here on the Central Coast watching these birds fly through this crystal clear sky, <laughs> and the ocean is out the other window. And at the same moment, I can turn on the TV and see the latest technology that's helping us to try to find a way so we can go hug our grandkids. Isn't that cool? That's pretty cool. And it's pretty wonderful. Yeah. So... Um, Anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. And as far as I'm concerned, laughter is the best medicine because the cool thing is you can't OD and the retails are free. That's true. And I love that about laughter. Yeah. yeah. I think the same thing could be applied to music as well. And I, I definitely want to revisit. Absolutely. I want to revisit your plans. And I don't know if they've been kind of derailed or, or sidetracked for the moment, but you had uh, Animaniacs in concert. It was sort of a, a road show. 
celebration where you were going to go out and, and perform. What's the status of Animaniacs in concert? Is that something that's completed, ongoing, tabled for the future? What's the deal there? Yes, I think kind of um, the latter. Mm. Um, literally, while you and I were talking, I got a phone call from Randy Rogel. Mm. And Randy is the gentleman who wrote Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Djibouti, Botswana, that song, the countries of the world, and it's a great big universe, and we're all really puny, we're just tiny little specks about the size of Mickey Rooney, that's Randy, and the states, and the multiplication, and all those songs, Randy is the real genius of the bunch, and he and I had a lovely deal with Warner Brothers by which we were able to take the music of Animaniacs and perform it around the country, and we have been, we've done dozens of dates, um, we had many dates booked throughout the year, all of which have been postponed. Right. Um, and Randy's writing music for the new show, too. But, um, yes, it is incredibly wonderful. And folks can go to animaniacsinconcert.com and check out videos of what we do both with just Randy and me and a piano or Randy and me and an 80-piece orchestra. It's absolutely glorious. It's like uh, Bugs on Broadway, only if you had Carl Stalling and Mel Blanc doing it. Hmm. And um, it's pretty cool to see the people who wrote and performed it. And it, and it's the coolest uh, it, It's the coolest for Randy and me. We're blown away at the way people come out and love these songs, and they know every goddamn one of them. It's <laughs> a blast to watch it. It's just wonderful to see it. And they sing along, and they know all the countries. It's just cool. So, um, yeah, the shows are put on hold, but we're all hopeful that we can get back to doing it. And we have as I said, it's very under, it's important to note that I said postponed, right. not canceled. Right. Um, when will they be postponed till? Who knows? TBD, yeah. But there are far more important things going on than whether or not we go and do this live right now. But that's the cool thing about streaming live or streaming um, platforms like Hulu. You're going to get to literally be able to watch your favorite episode from 25 years ago, and then in the next 10 seconds click on your uh, a brand new episode you've never seen with literally the same people doing Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. That's incredible that we have that technology and we can still do it. And, and just as a side note, on a personal note from me, as soon as you started singing those songs, I unearthed a memory I haven't thought of in probably 25 years, which was my first mixtape or mix CD, as it was, from a girl in yeah. school was the Animaniacs uh, soundtrack. So that was a, <laughs> an unexpected nostalgia trip for me. Yeah, Isn't that something? Yeah. It, just that. Here you and I are. I've never had the great good fortune of meeting you in person. I, I'm looking forward to that one Same. day. But we had this wonderful conversation that you've been kind enough to initiate. And literally, you have gotten the same experience that I've witnessed firsthand thousands of times. Hmm. And it is never anything less than miraculous to me, but it is singularly unique to you. Isn't that something? That's something indeed. That your experience is unlike anyone else's personally, yet I see it over and over again, and it is always glorious. It is never double negative, never not wonderful, <laughs> but it's singularly unique to you. You're the one that got the mixtape. You're the one that had that feeling. You're the one that might even remember what you ate that day because it gets so, so firmly involved in your psyche and, and deeply embedded. And there are millions of things that happen to you in that year of your life 
But when you hear, you know, Burundi Lesotho and Malawi, Kolo, the Spanish Sahara is gone. Niger, Nigeria, Chad and Liberia, Egypt, and Nina, Vermont, you can go, holy shit. <laughs> I, I don't remember a hundred thousand things that happened to me that year. Right. But that, I, that really, really speaks to the genius of Tom Ruger, Randy Rogel, all those musicians, you know, th- they were the ones that made it happen. And, and all I did was sing it. And I, I'm not, it's not false modesty. I'm good at my job. But, you can throw a dart in L.A. and hit a good singer. You can't throw a dart and hit somebody who can write that stuff. Mm. And so the genius of Tom Ruger to produce it, Steven Spielberg to to co-produce it, Randy Rogel to write it, and then you get to hear it 20-odd years ago, and 25 years later you're talking to some knucklehead who sang it, <laughs> and you go, boom, hit your bat. Isn't that astonishing? That what that does. So you're you're painting the picture for me. You're you're letting you're you're validating what I've been talking about for forty five minutes and that the power of that is nothing short of astonishing. And and you're you're giving credence to my argument. It's amazing. It is. And what I love about that even more is not just, you know, from my own personal standpoint, but now uh, new generations, millions of viewers out there everywhere will get to share new experiences. So before I run out of time with you today, when you went kind of back to the booth, when you went back to read those scripts and those songs, what was that feeling like? Was it just like picking up right where you left off, or did it take some time to sort of roll into that? Well, it, it was. It, it, in fact, there's a passage in my book where I talked to Tress when we were doing the original Animaniacs, and we had one of those days where we had a huge cast for, I think, two different episodes, and they were all in the booth at the same time. Hmm you know, chairs behind one another and kind of play musical chairs as it, as it was time to get to the But it was the best of the best. It was um, Tress, Jess, Maurice, Frank Welker, Billy West, Jim Cummings, whom you guys know primarily as, as Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and the Tasmanian Devil and Darkwing. <laughs> this yeah. moment, he was one of those. Um, I mean, it was, uh, oh, God, I, I don't even remember. I think in this case, Dick Van, I mean, uh, not Dick Van Dyke, um, Dick Clark and Ed McMahon were on an episode, and we were all there at the same time. It was mind-blowing. Uh, um, just over it. Oh, Mark Hamill, I think, was the, it was over and over and over. It was crazy. And um, I remember looking at Tress, and I said, Honey, and I've known Tress since she's been a cocktail waitress. I've known Tress for 40 years, and Tress is now the preeminent voice actress in the history of Hollywood, mm. period, end of story. Mm. And six episodes of The Simpsons alone, let alone Dot and Babs and um, Daisy Duck and Mom on Future. I mean, forget it. <laughs> Go to the IMD of Tress McNeil and blow your mind. So I've not said she was a cocktail waitress. Um, and I sat there holding her hand going, Honey, take a picture of this because this, unless you're on The Simpsons, with what we do, this is as good as it gets. Mm. Steven Spielberg, Tom Ruger, everybody's won Emmys. We've got the best of the best, best musicians, best writers, best everything. And unless you're, you know, that it just it just don't get no better. Cut to 25, 26 years later, we the first episode of Animaniacs in this new realm. And with all this new technology, streaming services, all this technology was not even part of the of the landscape when we did the old batch, 
And in the book, and it's the truth, I said, you know, I was wrong. It's, it actually can get better. There's a great old love song called The Second Time Around. Hmm. And one of the lyrics is, love is lovelier the second time around. Um, it's kind of like what it basically says is you're through all the crap and you know what you want and you recognize it in yourself, in the other person. And, and it's just lovelier the second time around. And, and I can say categorically it is. It's like there's part of it that's not the same. It's different, but it doesn't necessarily have to be worse. But to be able to get back in the saddle with that group of actors and the young writers who were inspired by the shows we did have now found their way to The Tonight Show, to Stephen Colbert's writing crew, to Saturday Night Live's writer's room. The fact is that if Maurice LaMarche and I walked into the writer's room at SNL and started riffing his pinky in the brain, every one of those writers would lose their shit. Because part of what informed them was pinky in the brain. Right. I know that. And that's not hyperbole. And again, I didn't write it, but you see my point. So after what we know, and you can find Yakko's World in several permutations on YouTube, just one that I sang probably has 25 or 30 million views. What does that tell you? Hmm. And, okay, that's a, that's a lot. Um, and so to be in the seat again next to Tress and Jess and Maurice and look around and go, wow, we're a little bit grayer. But as soon as we open our mouths, the people in the booth who were in grade school when we did this the first time start to weep. They start to shake and cry on the other side of the glass. And that absolutely happened. And it's mind-blowing to see the people who wrote these new episodes start to shake and get a little tearful when they hear Pinky and the Brain reading their words because they thought, holy shit, I, I, I know exactly what happened to me when that girlfriend made that mixtape for me. Um, and, and you know what happened. And so that's, I get to see it. I'm a, I'm a lucky man, dude. And, and I'm going to share all these really wonderful thoughts with you and your audience. So, Thank you so much. From the water tower, you get free tickets for the rest of your life, unless, of course, you're arrested walking on the lot and you're on your own. <laughs> well, look, I could talk to you and your various characters all day, I'm sure, but since uh, I'm almost out of time with you today, I want to give you uh, a, a chance to tease any other upcoming projects you're maybe working on. It, it kind of blew my mind that you said you're still doing auditions. I feel like you could just say your oh, name and people will be you, like, buddy. here's your part. But uh, so, so what else are you currently working on? That happens too, but I get it, man. It, you know, look, if I had, if I were recognizable, it, it'd probably be different, but it isn't. You know, there's always a cachet of uh, celebrity, and that's the way it goes. I, I can take a punch. Um, but, uh, I'm working on a lot of stuff. I've got a podcast called Talking Tunes, and we're rebooting that. Um, nice. stay tuned. Um, the, the people that, that would, that are interested in following me for all these projects, because I, I generally blast them out when they become to fruition. Um, we live under the, 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 the cloud of NDAs these days, mm-hmm. as you know, um, for obvious reasons. Uh, the competition is so intense. And by the time a, a new project gets to market, quote, unquote, video game, animated project, podcast, whatever, you know, we got to p- people protect their investments. And I understand that. 
The best way to keep in touch and know what's coming vis-a-vis yours truly is follow me on Twitter, and I'm at Yakko Pinky, all one word, Y-A-K-K-O-P-I-N-K-Y, all lowercase. Um, Instagram is Rob underscore Paulson, all lowercase, P-A-U-L-S-E-N. And on Facebook, Rob Paulson, voice actor. I'll probably be on TikTok one of these days, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> but uh, um, that's the best way to follow me, and I am very uh, active social media-wise to let people know about this stuff. Uh, and um, I'm always there. I, I do signings online. Uh, I have one coming up with the uh, original four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Townsend Coleman, Michelangelo, Barry Gordon, Donatello, Cam Clark, Leonardo, and yours truly, Rob Paulson, Raphael. That's cool. All four of us are going to be doing a signing. Um, so check out my, uh, uh, that's going to be two weeks from last Saturday, whatever that is. But, uh, whenever this is going out, if people would check me out on social media, there will be, um, a live signing on Instagram. Um, that's how we'll be, um, blasting it out there, but it's with a company called Instagraph, G-R-A-P-H, and they, they do it via Instagram. But, um, a lot of people out there love the old school Ninja Turtles. So there will be a, um, uh, a really sort of fun COVID con, if you will, with the original OG TMNT. Um, keep an eye on my social media. That'll be out there in the next couple of weeks, but I'm always, uh, I'm always, letting folks know because I'm very grateful that people stay in touch. And the truth is I can't get enough of it. I want to die uh, being exhausted from saying, I, uh, saying thank you. And, and I, I just love it. I can't get enough of it. And I am the grateful beneficiary of so much love. I don't deserve it. But while people throw it my way, I sure want to suck it up, baby. So thanks a lot for giving me a shot, Dave. Well, thank you so much for carving out some time for us today. And and my last question to you, you, you've shared a ton of positivity today, but specifically for folks out there who may be struggling with quarantine, with all the other pressures that come with it, do you maybe have a, a, a brief message for your fans out there who maybe just need a smile or a good word? Yes. And I, I touched on it earlier, and I really do live by this axiom. I, I appropriated... Um, from Reader's Digest when I was a kid. They had a, they have a, um, a thing in their magazine where they, it was a jokes at the end of each, uh, little magazine. It was laughter's the best medicine. Mm-hmm. And I, I appropriated that and added my own. It's laughter is the best medicine. The cool thing is you can't OD and the refills are free. And that is absolutely the gospel truth. I had chemotherapy and radiation that killed the cancer, but it was the laughter that got me through the pain. It was the laughter that got me through the constant days of dry heat. It was the, the laughter that got me through not being able to eat for a month. Um, it was that same stuff that's gotten people through much worse than I. So I tell people, my you know, prescription from Dr. Rob is to laugh from your soul every day. And there are no limits. There's no limit on the prescription. Try to find a way, whatever it is that brings you joy and laughter, to do it to or it hurts um, from your soul. And you know what that means, the kind of laughter that makes you cry, the kind of laughter that makes you can't get your breath. If you can find a way to incorporate that into your daily life, folks, um, you'll find, <laughs> as the song says, Charlie Chaplin said it a lot, many decades ago, a lot better than I could. 
you'll find that life's worthwhile if you'll just smile. And there are a lot of ways to get that. So please avail yourself of uh, impossibly innumerable ways of, of finding joy. It's there. And it's often much closer than you suspect. And like love, comes from the most unexpected places. Sometimes even from the stupid dead mouse. Very well said, uh, all of you. <laughs> so thank you very much again for your time today. Uh, best of luck with the Animaniacs rollout as we get closer to that release. And on a more personal note, all the best to you and yours. And thank you so much again. Really do appreciate it. Not at all, Dave. It was utterly my privilege. I worked really hard for this privilege. And thank you for giving me an, an opportunity. You take good care of yourself too, my friend.